thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined again by TGIF alumni and host of the Bloody Blunt Cinema podcast, Devon. Welcome. Hello, hello. Yes, thank you for having me again. Um, I'm very excited um, because we we talked about this uh, movie in that episode. I remember we did, yeah. <laughs> it, it came up a couple times, and uh, yeah, so uh, this is uh, this could be a really fun one. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you back. You have such a lovely podcast voice, so I'm just like, oh, oh. I'm I'm glad you think so. I think it's gross. <laughs> oh, I definitely, <laughs> I I definitely have that thing of like, I mean, most people don't like their own voices, yeah, but. You know, I don't know. I feel like I listen to enough podcasts and enough people that I'm just like, I know what a good podcast voice sounds like, and mine is not it. At least I don't oh my think God. so. But shut the know. front door. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're talking about Hellraiser, and I am so excited because this is probably one of my favorite movies from the '80s. Um, I only watched it maybe five years ago for the first time that I remember mm. seeing it. Yeah. So I might have watched it in teenagehood and not really remembered it because mm-hmm. who remembers anything no that's normal people that remember stuff from their teen years i remember anything i existed yeah i mean i i was i was also pretty late to to the game with hellraiser yeah. um because like funny enough so so here's my little backstory is so there used to be this show in the early 2000s called um uh big wolf on campus did you ever do you know that I show? Know the name yeah yeah it only like went a couple seasons and it's like this kid in college like gets bit by a werewolf and like you know they um him and his friends he has this little troop of people and they like you know battle other monsters and such um very much they were trying to compete with buffy and um but i do remember watching this show and i remember there's an episode in the show where they there's like uh one of the characters his like best friend is like a horror movie nerd and uh, he's excited for this new movie coming out and i forget what the name of it is but i do remember it was a it was a movie featuring like a pinhead knockoff it was very much like someone like it was like nail nail face or i don't know it was literally very nail much a pinhead face. I, I don't know if that's actually it or not, but that's what I would that that would be like the Rick and Morty version of Pinhead would be yeah. nail face. Um, but so I remember that episode creeped me out, like because I remember I was like six or seven and like just like that, that that version creeped me out. So and then I remember going to the video store. And then I saw, you know, Hellraiser on the shelf. And it's like, you know, just the, the face of Pinhead. And it scared the shit out of me. It was like, it was, that was like, you know, that one cover that like really got to me that I just, I never watched it because literally just the image of Pinhead himself, like creeped me the hell out not knowing anything about the movie, you know, only just from like what I saw in this knockoff version and then seeing the covers, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this guy. Like this guy's fucking, (laughs) this guy's scary, you know? And, um, Which, you know, it, and also, like, you know, the way that the franchise, like, presents Pinhead as, like, you know, the lead when in these first few movies, he's very much not. It's uh, one of those cases of, like, you know, as the series went on and the, the character got so popular, you know, they worked him into the movie more. 
But in the first two movies, like, you know, especially in the first one, he's really not there a lot. And he's really not doing too much. Um, yeah. But, you know, he just has that signature look. He had the iconic lines, um, all the things. So, of course, like, you know, he ended up becoming the star of the franchise. But initially, it wasn't. Um, so it was like, I, you know, and I didn't know how many Hellraiser movies there were either. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, okay, so like, is he a cheesy slasher? Is this a, like, because like, when you get up in those numbers, I'm like, okay, like, you're just doing, you know, slasher series shit. And like, I just kind of, at the time, I wasn't really into it. And uh, I mean, and now I don't even know if I, I don't, I wouldn't put this in a slasher category, really. No. Um, it's got its own category, really, because it's like, where yeah. does it fit? Because it's kind of supernatural meets uh, mm-hmm. demons meets yeah. body yeah. horror. So it's like, where does it fit? Yeah, it's very much more on those camps, like in the super, like being a supernatural, like monster movie than a, than a slasher. Because again, like, you know, and the especially in these first couple of movies, Pinhead ain't doing most of the killing. I mean, most of the killing is Julia Cotton in between these like two first two <laughs> movies, uh, which love her queen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it, I really didn't start watching his movies until a couple of years ago, and I've still only I've seen the first two, and then I watched the kill counts on three and four, but haven't actually watched them yet. And then I haven't seen anything else from any of the others. Um, so I do want to do the the binge at some point, um, just to see where it goes. But um, you know, my first initial viewing, I didn't like love it because I again had this like pre um, conception notion of like knowing how big Pinhead was and how popular this movie was. I definitely had high expectations. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. But you know, it, it was cool. And then it was one of those ones that just like the more I kept watching it the more I would appreciate more of it as far as like the filmmaking techniques used in it, like with the effects and, and, um, and just the, the, the Hellraiser movies have so much potential behind them. Like, and we mentioned this in the the last episode I was on, like, I feel like there's just so much potential in it, like with the themes that they're exploring are so interesting that I feel like we still haven't really, explored much of it because you know again they kind of get away from those themes uh, as far as i know in the sequels um you know they kind of get away from those um you know the the pain and pleasure and all the the sadomasochism and like the sexuality of it the the movies yeah. get progressively less sexy as they go uh, on yeah i've seen up to four and it definitely just gets more like bloodbath and less exploring mm-hmm. those elements um yeah. I do enjoy them for what they are, but I do love, I love the first two. Well, and, and I think, you know, and part of that too is like, you know, one, the first four, the ones that Clive Barker is involved with. And then after yeah. that, he's no longer involved in any capacity um, writing or producing or anything. So it's like, you lose out on that. And then to my understanding, a lot of the Hellraiser sequels, um, they did, they were doing the things where they would find a script of something else. And then they would just be like, how can we get the Cenobites in here? And that's how a lot of the Hellraiser sequels like came to be. They would be other movies for something else. And then they would just put the Cenobites in and I mean, make it, it a Hellraiser work, I guess. <laughs> I haven't seen Beyond 4. So I think there's, what, nine movies all up? 
Yeah. I mean, I guess in theory that is interesting and like, you know, I guess maybe nice for some of those people that had scripts that might not have gotten picked up otherwise. So, yeah. I mean, I guess in theory it works out, but like from what I can tell of the quality of these other ones <laughs> that it doesn't exactly work in its favor. A little bit questionable. <laughs> So uh, Hellraiser is a 1987 horror film written and directed by Clive Barker and produced by Christopher Figg. It's based off Barker's 1986 novella, The Hellbound Heart. This was Barker's directorial debut and the plot involves a mystical puzzle box which summons the Cenobites, a group of extra-dimensional sadomasochistic beings. I don't say that word very often, so when I have to, I'm like, beings who cannot differentiate between pain and pleasure. I think they can differentiate between the two, though. Yeah, no. I mean, well, I think they can differentiate, but I don't think... Maybe it's not that they can't differentiate, but that they are just so yin and yang for them that they like kind of see them as one, you know? Yeah. But yeah. just like, you know, one coin with two sides to it rather than being two separate things, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly like, so because when I read that, I was like, no, the Cenobites definitely equate pain with pleasure and pleasure with pain. It's not necessarily that they don't differentiate between the two, but that they equate the two together. Yeah, definitely together. And like, that's like one of the, again, like the aspects of like the potential not exactly being fulfilled in these is like, they don't take the time to really show like the, you know, like the, the off the wall sexual stuff, you know, like it kind of just goes straight into pain. Like, you know, we're introduced to it and you're, you know, the idea is, you know, oh, you're trying to find ultimate pleasure, ultimate pain, all those things. But it's like, all, all that happens when you open the la, la, the lament configuration is hooks and sweat. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, where is like the sexy stuff? Like I I really hope that the the new film like leans into it. Like we're getting yeah. a, a new one. And it's from uh, the director of the Ritual and the Nighthouse, yeah. uh, David Bruckner. So, I'm so excited for it. So I'm pretty optimistic that at yeah. least he will definitely like explore the surreal and supernatural stuff really well. Yeah. Um, but, and you know, the night house has tinges of taboo sexiness in it and yeah. self-fulfillment and things like that. So um, I think it's a really good pairing. So I hope that they, you know, explore these sexual aspects more, more than just, you know, I think the, the film just kind of takes it as um you know, oh, there's this forbidden relationship between Frank and Julia, like, you know, she's cheating on her husband with her husband's brother. And like, there's that whole lust and desire part. But um, I mean, and we do get a pretty good steamy sex scene in here, too. (laughs) But the the exploring of the sexuality in tandem with the the pain, I think, could have been done a little bit more rather than just going straight to pain. Yeah, and I think because it is 1987 that they kind of stuck in their wheelhouse of what would have been considered taboo in that social climate. So I understand why they did, A, heterosexual relationships, B, Mm -hmm. cheating on your husband, and Mm -hmm. C, you know, a woman trying to do a man's bidding because that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of fit in that wheelhouse of what would have been unacceptable and inappropriate for 87. 
but yeah, no, definitely. That, yeah, definitely uh, the safer of the taboos that they're yeah. like going for. And censorship was a big uh, deal with this movie. Yeah. Um, between, you know, not only the, the gore, but also the, the sexual aspects of it. Yeah. I'm hoping with uh, Bruckner's one that they will explore. And the thing is, like, I hope they don't dive into like homosexuality as a taboo because I'd be really disappointed if they did that. That'd be. That, yeah, that'd be really I mean, I think they'll be past that, but I mean, there will definitely be some stuff looked into oh, yeah. because, you know, the, the new um, Pinhead will be is being played by a transgendered actress. So, yeah. I, you know, they do have opportunity there as well to like explore, um, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, past uh, stuff like homosexuality, but then like into, you know, deeper, uh, some deeper layers. Yeah. Uh, and and as you know, as you said, Hip Bruckner being such a fantastic filmmaker, I have no doubt that he will be able to show that depth and those layers and and explore it in a real um, real interesting way. I, I I'm I've yeah I've got high hopes because it's is it a movie or is it a TV series? Uh, it's a film. It's a film. Okay, because I think I read somewhere that they were talking about a TV series at one point. I mean, hell, I would take a, I would take uh, a TV series. I would watch the heck out I, of that. <laughs> I would take that, too. That would be interesting. Like, maybe make it true detective, but a lot sexier and more body horror. Like, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, Clive Barker, you know, as prolific of a person he is, he didn't really direct more films, which always surprises me. Um, yeah. You know, so many of his works have been adapted. Um, I still haven't watched Midnight Meat Train, but I hear that one's pretty wild. I haven't um, seen that either. It's on my to-watch list, but I have I, seen Books of Blood. That was good. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't watch that one, but, and then, of course, I, um, we, on Boy Blonde Cinema Club, we just uh, did a recording and uh, covered Candyman, the 92. Nice. Um, it, and, it, and as much as I love that movie, it definitely makes sense why... Um, why Hellraiser has definitely been growing on me. Um, you know, very uh, interesting parallels between the two stories. And obviously, like, Clive Barker's work has always touched on a lot of uh, sexual themes and elements. And um, yeah. we, we, we were talking on the podcast um, about which slashers would do the best in rap battles. <laughs> and, um, uh, and obviously, you know, Pinhead is up there, you know. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, man, I was like, what kind of relationship would like Pinhead and Candyman have? Like, would they be like arch rivals because they're so similar? But or are they gonna like bond over hooks and 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 poetry and then they're gonna be best buds? I I don't know. You know, why yeah. did we never get a Candyman versus Hellraiser movie? <laughs> what? We got a Freddy vs. Jason. Where's our Candyman versus Pinhead? Oh man, that would be like make it just so sexual and like what they're make it a love triangle between Candyman, Pinhead, and like someone else. I don't know. Like it, it, that'd be wild. I'd watch the I'd watch the fuck out of that. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm funding the crowdfunder for that. Anyone who's doing that, send me a link. I'm gonna I'm gonna kickstart the shit out. Well, of it. It, it, it's Y2 Tambien, but Pinhead and Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so pinhead was played by doug bradley and one thing that i thought was so funny is that afterwards doug bradley in interviews was saying that he thought his cast mates didn't like him um but they didn't recognize him 
because all the scenes he'd be already ready to go as Pinhead. Mm-hmm. So nobody recognized him outside of costume. And so he thought people were ignoring him, but they just didn't recognize him. They just didn't know it was him. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, he, he really, he really comes with it. Like I fucking, I do love um, his portrayal. I do love that. He is like, you know, what the main consistent mainstay of the franchise. I I always love when an actor like is devoted to their character like that and will, you know, carry the torch the whole way through um, whether it be like a Freddy or a Brad Dorif with Chucky, Um, you know, it's, and he definitely doesn't, you know, Pinhead definitely, Pinhead gets a lot of maybe too much credit for his doings, but Doug Bradley does not get enough credit for what he provides as Pinhead. Like um, just this presence, you know, he's a theatrical actor. He comes from like the stage world. So like he very much has that like that Shakespearean regalness to it again, similar to Candyman. And I definitely love both of those vibes. He's got the sexy, powerful voice. Like it's like powerful and like you you definitely are like yeah this guy is the the gatekeeper of a alternate alternate hell dimension like I totally yeah. buy it you know and then all the lines are just so like just bars upon bars like ah <laughs> uh, it's so good like no tears please it's a waste of good suffering ah swoon I swoon <laughs> and he looks great in leather. Oh man, I mean, what a, a so ahead of the curve um, beat, you know, the leather craze of the 90s. <laughs> um, they, he was way ahead of the game. I mean, what are yeah. those gloves that he wears where one it only goes over the pinky and thumb? Yeah. What, what are those? Where can I find them? <laughs> like... I want a pair of them. Where are... <laughs> I will make them. I'll make them. I know nothing about clothes making, but I'll do it. Uh, uh, yeah, Pinhead is a trailblazer. <laughs> yeah. It looks Here's fantastic. The costuming for the Cenobites just blows my mind, especially for, for the 80s, that they were just so brazen with the leather and the hooks and the chains. And they were like, yeah, let's, I mean, let's go all out. So many straps, so many hooks, so many, like, you know, it's amazing. I love how it's, you know, like, again, like Pinhead has this, like, very androgynous look to him. Like, you yeah. know, it's just bald and, like, kind of, aside from the pins, like, very just, like, poor, you know, perfect porcelain smooth skin and then just like this like half half like coat slash half dress type deal that he's wearing he's got the corset going like i mean it is it's he's such a queer icon and it cracks me up that like of course like you know there's uh fuckers on twitter that were like uh saying stuff about the the new pinhead casting i'm like have you not watched any of these movies? Do you, you see this? <laughs> Do you see this entity? And you're telling me you think this 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 homie is straight? Come on now, <laughs> come on he, now. <laughs> he's a sadomasochist. He wears leather, like he's a leather daddy. And you're gonna tell me that he's stri- no? Get the fuck out. No, 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 no. no, no he no, is pansexual, no if anything. <laughs> oh, very much so. He's a pansexual icon. Um, I'm really, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do with the new, because they did release a photo of, um, yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. and I was just like, holy shit, hurry up, get it into my eyeballs right now. I need to see this because I I love this movie. And it's one of those Mm -hmm. ones that has definitely grown on me. Like every time I watch it, you'll find me like screaming. Yes, yes, yes. Like watching the movie. I'm like, fuck yes. Every time. 
Yeah, like I definitely hope they like up like the um, because I like the idea they like call like you know there's a line in the film where you know Pinhead says like oh we're uh, demons to some angels to others like I like that idea of these like you know like um, you know BDSM angels like in this uh, weird way and like I think it'd be cool to like kind of play into like those like religious iconographies I mean they they play with it a little bit um in some of the other ones um but I think that is like a very interesting angle as well and like again like they definitely like have that look to it where it's like ooh, they're scary but also like very sexy looking yeah I wouldn't be mad if they turned up at my house right that's the uh, uh I love the the meme that comes around every so often and it's like dream blunt rotation and it's all the seven <laughs> bites <laughs> I that's, haven't that, seen that. Damn. That's, I, I was like, that's. I'll, I'll send it to you. That's one hundred percent my vibe. <laughs> like, yes, I will. I will pass oh the ball God. with you guys, please. <laughs> Even the slug one. Even. Even yes. Oh man, I mean, butterball chatter. I mean, I love. That's another thing I do like uh, throughout the the sequels that we get like all these different um, interpretations of the Cenobites, which is really yeah. fun. Because there's additional Cenobites in number two, I know that. Because I was like, hey, you went in, and you went in number one. They they add at least one in to, like, yeah. every one. But, like, you know, Butterball, he's around for a good majority of the time. Chatter yeah. is there. Um, the, 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 the lady Cenobite, who doesn't have a name, unfortunately, uh, she gets replaced at some point. But, oh. um, okay. you know, you, I, oh, man. Guillermo del Toro would have made a cool Hellraiser movie. Like, what is what would his Cenobites look like? I don't even Ooh. want to know. That's Ooh. nightmare fuel. Nightmare Ooh. fuel. Because <laughs> that's like one knock I do have on this film is I don't like the like other hell monsters. Yeah. Um, you know the the ones called like the engineer that one that's like in the hallway. Yeah. Uh, don't just not into it every I always like kind of forget that it's in the movie and then when I get to that part I'm like oh yeah oh. we got this <laughs> going <are> <laughs> on and like it, and it's the same way in the second one too like once they like go away from Julia and then they're focused on like the the doctor uh Cenobite monster man with the brain tubes I'm just like this is too much I don't need all this I just need the Cenobites that's it that's all I really need let's just get that you know in another dimension other creatures that exist but I like yeah they don't. Let's yeah like the 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 like the like skeleton the like dragon skeleton thing at the end was like thrown in like last minute while they were filming um Clive, Clive Barker was just like you know what would be really cool to end this a like skeleton dragon and then they were like but we're already what? filming and it, they were just like he's like please and he just please. did it but also but also I I love that you know I love that you know he definitely was just like I'm gonna do some weird shit like yeah uh at this point in the 80s horror there was a lot um it was like a lot of horror comedies you know yeah. And, um, you know, most of the horror that people were watching were really silly. And I like how uh, distinctly weird this movie is, but with all seriousness, like all yeah. earnestness. <laughs> there is not a single wink to the camera in this movie. Everything is just like, no, like this is, we're just being weird. <laughs> and it and it, it really works. Like something yeah. about it, the like, again, like just how serious it is. Like, you, you want to make jokes at, like about the Cenobites, and, like, yeah, you do, but at the same time, it's just, like, 
this is just so bizarre and like i'm yeah. just so <laughs> off put by you know a lot of the things that they do in this mm. yeah i love fuck, i love this movie so much and it's only over the like the last two years that i've really lent in to how much i love this movie so i recently bought a um a print of uh kirsty and she's um mm. holding the puzzle box what's the puzzle box called i never remember the name of it the the lament configuration that's right it's three it's three words that's why i can't remember that too much yeah definitely Six syllables. Too much. it's in one ear out the other but i do have this beautiful print uh of of kirsty with the with the box Ooh, I definitely, I, I definitely want that. Um, I, I love Kirsty in this. I think she is a, a pretty underrated final girl between yeah. this and again the the second one. And it's it's, it's also funny. You, you kind of can't talk about this one without talking about the second one. I feel like they're like literal perfect companion pieces, like yeah. together. You know, like it didn't need a third one to like close out the Kirsty Cotton trilogy. Like it works very mm -hmm. well as just this like one two punch movie and they came out pretty close together as well but um Kiersey yeah, is just really sorry oh sorry uh I was just say Kiersey um between the two films I would just um she she's like the most over it final girl like <laughs> she's just like she seems more annoyed than like actually like fearing for her yeah. life in this movie just like oh my gosh, why the hell is my Uncle Frank so fucking weird? Oh my God, I hate my stepmom. Oh my God, now there's demons and leather here. Like, God. Like, she just so seems annoyed. Sick of, sick of <laughs> shit. It's like, you Literally. are inconveniencing my life. Like, can you leave? I just want to go on dates. I just want to live in my own house. I just want to do the things. But no, you, you guys are all freaks. <laughs> She's like, you guys are all freaks. So why do you bring your freak life into mine? <laughs> she has such a great cry face like when she has tears yeah. in her eyes she looks so damn good uh mm. she's uh she's fantastic i really do I, she's got some great lines in this movie i absolutely adore her let's uh yeah let's, she's let's always go. like she's always she's always sassin pinhead she's the only person <laughs> and like i love how like that's like a recurring thing between them in both movies pinhead's yeah. just like I don't fucking like you. Like you are, you you are sassy, and then she's just like, "Fuck you!" Like, go to hell. Go, go, I'm gonna I'm make a I'm gonna make a deal and cross my fingers behind my back. Fuck you, pinhead. And he's just like, "Ugh, <laughs> you little girl." <laughs> she outsmarts him. It's she's fantastic. They yeah, she doesn't get the credit that she deserves as a final. Girl. No, no, not at all. And and I I'm upset by it. And I mean. Uh, and speaking of under underserved as well as um, again Julie Julie Cotton is such a great character again like they I love what they do with her in this film but then what they you know because and they they improve upon her in the second film because again like you yeah. mentioned like yeah she is like that that woman that's enamored by the the dirty man and doing his bidding but at the same time like you know it's there is something to say that she is also you know having agency and being like look like yeah i i was having this affair i don't really feel bad about it and if i have an opportunity to like reclaim that you know in my obviously unhappy life and the thing that does make me happy whether it's you know you know sexual deviancy or not it you know is something that she wants so like i do think there is still like you know like there's something to say that like you know the the power of her 
desire, you know, makes yeah. sense and why she's like, yeah, I'll kill all these men if I can bring Frank back and if I can if I can feel that spark again, you know. Um, I, I found that interesting. And then but then again, the second one, whenever she's the one that is, you know, um, seducing people, then it's like it takes that agency like to the next level. Like, OK, now she's she's being the fucking crazy bad bitch, you know, and <laughs> um, her her performance in both of them are just so, so good. Um, like two just, yeah, very underserved characters and the way that they they match up against each other of like, you know, because it's also like that, you know, that awkward stepmom daughter from the first yeah. marriage like dynamic between them um it, so it's like you already have that and then all the other shit on top of it um they have a really like interesting dynamic yeah i like both their characters i wish because yeah in there is julia's not in the third one i don't think in no. any way shape or form yeah i'm pretty sure three is all all brand new stuff yeah Let's get started with the movie. I love this opening scene. So the film starts off in Morocco and we see a man named Frank who has purchased an antique puzzle box from um, a Chinese art dealer in Morocco. Okay. I mean, judging by his <laughs> dirty apartment, how did he, how is he able to travel to Morocco? Why, and how is he affording art dealing, like, artifacts? Hmm. But, um, very foreboding scene between him and the dealer, who says, take it, it's yours, it always was. Uh, he takes the box back to his home and prepares to solve it lighting candles he kind of sets up like a little <laughs> seance moment <laughs> yeah which i do find funny like how did he know that that's like that this was that kind of thing like yeah he's yeah. like Ooh, let me let me set the mood for me to solve this box okay. like and it, i mean it and again like it this like uh shows off the look of the movie that i really like it has this soft haze to it but this movie is also very wet like this yeah. movie is just it's slimy people are sweating a lot everything yeah. about this movie is wet so it's like it has you know that 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 kind of beauty with the hazy look to it but then also like you know the the grossness as well yeah um as he puts the parts of the box together light comes through the walls and eventually two frank shock hooks fly out and grab frank's skin he is torn apart by uh the Cenobites who are a demon race and I love this scene where he's torn apart um I love that there's no context yeah there's no context we're just shown this and that's like the beginning and it's like yeah uh well we'll figure that out later Hmm. like we just are literally just dropped in yeah there you go straight away that's it a man torn to pieces um a group of Cenobites appear to survey the scene and Pinhead, because um, this is where Pinhead um, puts the pieces together of his face, and I was like, "Oh, don't worry about that. You don't, you don't need that anymore." <laughs> oh yeah, like he puts it together like, a, "Oh, that's a fun little, fun little puzzle for me." Like, I mean, he does love puzzles. He does. Um, Makes he sense. also, he also, when he's like uh, fondling the the uh, the box as well, like they like do this like real extreme close up. One, Doug Bradley's got some sexy hands. Two, 
but like there's like a part he like is literally like fingering the top of it to like yeah. get it to like move around stuff and it's just like even him doing the puzzle is is sensual in some way yeah absolutely i did notice that last night i was like oh that's interesting that he he caresses and cares for this puzzle box yeah yeah um as he closes the puzzle box the room returns to its original state as if nothing happened when i first watched this i was like is this the same room because it has like natural light again and i was like Mm -hmm. are we in the future i I don't know Uh, yeah like oh we're not in just a dark candle windowless void (laughs) yeah (laughs) a few years later larry who is uh, the brother of frank who we saw previously and his wife julia played by claire higgins go to look at a house um the house is basically his mother's house i believe and Mm -hmm. he was going to sell it but they've decided that they're actually going to move in um we do see a is this where we see the flashback scene with julia and frank um i i think it's yeah when she because it's when she finds the the polaroids right yeah 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 she like finds the polaroids that frank somehow took of them um doing doing their their dirty nasties and uh yeah and then we go into the the flashback of like yeah the, oh, again really 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 central like visceral sex scene i'm into it yeah yeah they it, got away it, with one but yeah um it's an incredibly passionate sex scene between frank and julia but uh, julia has decided to marry larry obviously the less sexy brother like frank was the sexy brother what's going on yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess there is something about marrying guys with um, switchblades. Uh, that's never a good sign. It's probably like a red flag. I'd say so. <laughs> butterfly knives are cool, but switchblades, that's that's too much. What's a butterfly knife? It's uh, the one where people can like, you know, do like the flip arounds and stuff. It's um, the like blade is like in uh, between the two yeah. handles. So you can oh, okay. like kind of nunchuck it around and like it's like fun um but then the switch blades are like the ones with the buttons where it just yeah just like straight out i learned something new every day Uh uh larry is looking at the kitchen and finds maggots this really grosses me out anything that um like oozes and like Mm -hmm. like it's the noise it's not how they look it's the noise that they make and in movies they just really um accentuate that noise and i'm like uh." oh maggots are maggots gross me out because the idea of something some like food being there and then like one minute there's not maggots and then a day later there's just maggots there that's gross that's scary it is yeah (laughs) um upstairs julia finds a room that's trashed and larry discovers another room that uh frank had been um staying in and he says well he's been here i mean there's stuff in the kitchen you wouldn't believe he's obviously made one of his famous getaways little does he know what's happened to to his brother yeah no frank was um he was he was living on on a a nasty life it's gross yeah but all he cared for he he, he he was bored with the pleasures of life and needed uh, a, a demon box, but it's like then you see his apartment and go, oh, these were the, the pleasures of life <laughs> that it. you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this is it? Ew. Um, 
the phone rings and it is Larry's daughter, Kirsty, on the other end of the phone. I don't know how she's already got their phone number. I question a lot of things that happen in the 80s, like really practical things. Like how does she already know the phone number of the house? Well, I mean, if it was the, the parents' house, maybe they kept the same landline. Oh, yeah, that's maybe. true. Okay, that would be your grandparents' number. <laughs> my thoughts don't go that far. This was a um, grandparents' house. <laughs> so, um, uh, where am I up to? Uh, so, Larry wants his daughter to come and see the house and stay, but she's saying she's already got her own place. Don't worry about it. Dad, I don't want to stay there with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love that. She's very, you know, it asserts her, you know, independence right away. It's just yeah. like, no, like, I'm just, I'm just not. You know, it I'll sucks that she's still getting... Yeah, sucks she still gets sucked into this mess, but she she does her damnedest not to. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, I don't want any of your business. Fuck. Parents. Who needs them? Um, so they move in the following Sunday, and the moving men and Larry are bringing in a heavy mattress into the house, and Julia is unpacking some, some of their belongings in a room. Uh, the moving the the the, the, the removalists um, stop as Julia comes out and asks, "Have you?" They ask her for a beer. Yeah, and then they like the her and the mover like have a moment. Yeah, and and then um, uh, Larry seems <laughs> to like notice, and then it's like, it's like I'll yeah, <laughs> I'll go get you beers. Like, um, okay. Yeah, and then they continue that little like moment that they're having together and it's not just one it's both of the removalists that are having this mm -hmm. very like um it's like a stare off between julia and them yeah and then kirsty comes in and then he like says something you know like nasty about kirsty too it's like geez louise <sighs> these are the worst movers ever yeah like get them out of your house <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, Kirsty goes into the kitchen to make some coffee and finds Julia looking at a photo of Frank um, because she's having a little bit of a like flashback to her last encounter with Frank, uh, the, the last time she saw him. And mm -hmm. we see a flashback. Um, and it, so Frank has come in and it's pouring rain. He's saturated. And asks, <laughs> uh, he says he's in town. He's come for their wedding. And Julia lets him in and says, you know, here's a towel, blah, 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 blah. Um, Julia says that there's only, uh, go, uh, go to the bathroom. Sorry, I've lost my tra train of thought. Um, so Christy interjects and like interrupts her little moment that Julia's really not interested in Kirsty. And so like, we can see that, you know, this step daughter, step mom mm -hmm. relationship just isn't there anyway. And I, I kind of get it. I've had step parents. Um, and as a teenager, like, you just don't care about that stuff. You're just like, whatever, go away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely different when you're, when you're older. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, and I like how, you know, that's not like, um, you know, it's not like a subplot either in the movie. It's not like there's like ever like trying to like force them to like hang out together or anything. It's just like, oh, you know, it'd be nice. But like, you know, whatever. it's just kind of already there. Yeah. Yeah. I hate those movies where they're like, here's the stepdaughter and the stepmom and they've got to become best friends. And it's like, yuck. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Larry has ended up having to push the mattress up the stairs for some unknown reason. 
and he cuts his hand open on a nail that's sticking out of the wall. He goes into the attic where the attic, the attic, that's a word we don't use very often here. We don't have attics. Oh yeah, you guys don't have those. Yeah. Uh, we also don't have basements, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, probably because we flood so much. Um, mm-hmm. Where Julia is, and his like hand is like dripping blood all over the place. <laughs> and you can definitely see the difference between Larry and Frank in this. That Larry is the safe option. He is where you know uh, Julia is going to find comfort and financial support, maybe emotional support. Whereas Frank, his brother, is the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that Larry's like, you know how I feel about seeing blood. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely, it's like, nope, this is, uh, this is the big old weenie, yeah. you know, uh, Frank is the, the real, you know, he's got, he's a wet and has hair on his chest and, you know, and, and Larry's, oh, I can't look at my blood. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then, the, and then the floor, and then the floor drinks it. Yeah, I love it that. Um, and through because i love it because it goes through the floorboards and um like a body starts to form underneath the floorboards and uh, Mm -hmm. it's frank oh man this scene is it's so good um this scene was actually added after they had wrapped filming because they got some like they got some additional money um like after they had already shot stuff so that was so this was like added in like afterwards Nice. Because, like, originally it was just going to be, like, there was going to be, like, half of Frank, like, along the, like, wall, and he was just going to, like, kind of be there and then, like, come to life whenever the blood. But, um, yeah, they got some extra money, so they were able to do this and did it with, like, a cool, they, like, made the effect and everything with, like, the bones and veins inside it, and then they they melted it, and then, and then they... Uh, reverse the footage and then so that way it looked like it was like forming back together oh, that's so cool super cool like you know like just like you know fun shit that they don't do these days anymore yeah and like that's like it, it just looks really good it's so goopy like yeah it's just everything is and then like i love how each stage of frank you know as we like you know we see him in like stages and it's just like ugh, it's it's gnarly but this is it's so good I'm really glad they added this scene in because it definitely provides a little bit of that connection between um, how he becomes who he is. Mm-hmm. So it's like he can't just appear out of nowhere and be like this skinless skeleton in the corner. So I like that they had that little bit of mm-hmm. additional information that they're able to add in. Same. Um, uh, that night, they are having a family dinner. So there's Kirsty, Julia, Larry, Steve, who is Kirsty's boyfriend, and then there's a couple of family friends that are there as well. Is um, that what his name is? I forget what uh, Kirsty's boyfriend's name it's, is. It's like, just Kirsty's boyfriend because <laughs> he's just there. Yeah, um, you know, which I mean, I don't know. I guess on one hand, it's nice that it's the dude who's the forgettable, just like the away character for once. It's just like ah, who cares about this guy? Uh. That's all right. He's just that guy. <laughs> um, Julia excuses herself. Uh, she says that she's not feeling well and she's going to go to bed. She goes upstairs uh, um, and discovers some rat guts on the floor of, uh, in the attic. Um, she is grabbed by Frank, who says, don't look at me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
and he explains that the f- blood on the floor from Larry brought him back to life and that he needs more. Um, Kirsty is a little bit sus on Julia because of her leaving the table. And she comes upstairs to see Julia coming out of the attic and says goodnight and goes to bed. Um, so obviously the seed is planted in Julia. She's like, fuck yeah, I can get Frank back. Oh yeah. She has to go like, she has to go like full, like, uh, like it's like, like almost like a femme fatale vibe in a way, but like not. I definitely see that. She does some pretty crafty stuff. Like, I love the montage that they have of her, like, bringing men back. Yeah, like, it, it's so funny because in the montage, like, all these men are, like, so excited and they, like, follow her. And, like, she always has just, like, a look of disinterest on her face. Yeah. But she just knows that even if she just says what these men want to hear and just, like, in my mind, they, they don't care. Yeah. You know, so I like that kind of, like, critique against men. Um, cause she's very like visually not interested at all. And they're just like, Oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah, let's go to the attic. That makes sense to go bang. Let's go bang <laughs> in the attic and they do it. No questions, you know? And, and then, and like Larry's not ever home to see this happen. I don't, no. where is he? Like, I don't know. Is, is she, is she doing this on her lunch breaks? Maybe <laughs> R- <laughs> wrangles it. I mean, I think, I think that that would be the ultimate dig on dudes that like yes she could easily seduce a man murder him get him drank up in the floorboard dispose of a body within an hour of her lunch break that is productivity (laughs) (laughs) um uh, and steve uh go home because kirsty has obviously decided that she's not staying with her parents and um whilst larry is sleeping julia goes into the attic and tells Frank that she will join in on the plan of, you know, uh, helping bring him back to life or bring him back to his physical self. Uh, that night, Kirsty is dreaming and she sees a bed full of blood. She pulls the sheet off and sees her father blood soaked and screams. Uh, she wakes up in the middle of the dream and actually goes and calls her dad. Which is something I'd totally do. So I kind of like that they put mm-hmm. that in. And I love he, that shot too. Like yeah. the shot with like the, the feathers falling down on the bloody sheet and stuff. It just looks really cool. Yeah. And the blood looks so... Like I, the special effects in the blood that they did in the 80s was just so red and so like mm-hmm. bloody. <laughs> like Yeah. It, it's like very like... The, this one the blood in this like it like looks like a combination of like you know like the like classic like corn syrup blood but then also that the blood of like jalo films where it's like a little yeah. more it's like so red that it's like opaque you know yeah. and like you like can't see through it which is like obviously like not real um <laughs> uh i feel like um sweeney todd kind of took this uh, same yeah. style of blood as well. I really do like the this very distinct look of blood. Yeah. Um, Larry answers the phone and tells Kirsty he's fine. And um, uh, so he says, you sleep well, okay. I love you. And uh, before it cuts to the next day, we see Frank at the top of the stairs and he whispers under his breath, Kirsty. So obviously there's some connection between Frank and Kirsty, and he is now 
added like Kirsty to his list of things he needs to take care of as he becomes human again in hum I don't think he's human. I mean he, at this point. No. I mean I, I I mean I guess he technically is yeah. being turned back human. I think, because, like, what he says is he, like, escaped the Cenobites. Like, he escaped the yeah. dimension. So, like, I guess he technically is alive. But, you know, I mean, even if he's not reformed, you know, creepy uncle's got a creep. You know, yeah. and that's uh, <laughs> creepy uncle Frank. Just creepy so gross. Frank. Yeah. So gross. Uh, the next day, um, Julia goes out to a kind of looks like a pub like a bar kind of bistro place um mm -hmm. and a man approaches her and asks you know says uh, not much fun is it drinking alone and they drink have a few drinks together and julia agrees to take him to her house um i love this because the man is like so into her like this guy is so into her and he can't stop kissing her and saying you know you're so beautiful and, and he just like drops his pants like in the middle of the in the middle of the room just like nothing you're not even in a on a bed or anything yet he just literally just, like, drops his pants there's no bed in the attic and so it's just like what and she tells him to take his clothes off so he's like hell yeah i'm gonna gonna take all these clothes off like what are we going to do? And um, he tells her that he needs to go to the toilet, but uh, instead Julia grabs a hammer and hits him over the head. He is oh, shouting. She like destroys his yeah. like mouth. Like it's oh. so good. The prosthetic on the jaw, I never really looked at it until like this most recent rewatch. And I was like, wow, like that looks like really good. Like his jaw is like fully unhinged at this point. Um, and he frank oh because there's this scene where she kind of like leaves and she doesn't like want to watch him like suck the blood out of this person and yeah <laughs> i just really love like the the um perspective that it's set up that you see frank over her shoulder in this like really grotesque like he's like gooey and he's got mm -hmm. like all you can see is like his eyeballs and you're like ew like that's so and gross. like the like way like, he like yeah like the way he like moves like before on. he's like has his like you know like form enough to like stand yeah. again like the he way he like, like moves is like yeah it's like very unsettling yeah it, that really really grossed me out i was just like oh that's just she can't even watch she knows how disgusting it is Mm -hmm. um larry gets back home and he's looking for julia uh he knocks on the bathroom door and she lies and says that she feels sick she asks larry to get her a brandy and says that she'll be back in a minute uh she goes back into the attic to see what frank is up to after he's like eaten because he only drinks the blood doesn't he he doesn't like no, yeah, because we because we see him like the aftermath a couple times, yeah. and it's real gross. Like um, mm -hmm. the effects on that even look really cool. But yeah, he just like takes you know I guess the the blood and like you know like maybe like muscles and like skin yeah. as it like cool. as he like progresses along. Um, apparently, uh, Clive Barker and um, the uh, the effects person, I think it was Bob Keane, I think. Um, and they went to watch an autopsy and like see a real corpse like get skinned oh so that way they could like see like what it looked like like with a person that was oh, that's, had so, no that's skin. hectic 
yeah and uh, yeah apparently like Clyde Barker was like all like you know like into it and but like also like ah I thought it would like look like gnarlier so like this is like <laughs> still his what he you know envisioned yeah. his skin personal look like it's it's real gross yeah, I had a ex-boyfriend who was a forensic scientist and had to do an autopsy or two, and I was like, that's gross. <laughs> He's like, it's Ooh. not as gross as you think it is. Like, And then um, a girl that graduated in his class became a mortician, and I was like, that is badass. That is so badass. I mean, being a mortician is totally a vibe. Like yeah. in a in a in another life, I would I would be a mortician for sure. I did go to uni because I wanted to be a taxidermist at one point and work in like oh. uh, like museums and stuff, helping mm, their, yeah. like curating their collections. And then I was like, mm-hmm. ah, guts are not a vibe for me. <laughs> embalming some mummies, yeah, that would have been fun. Just embalming animals, really, but and then making them look pretty. That's what I. Yeah. That's what I would have been doing. <laughs> in another life. In another life, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So Frank says to her, "I'm hurting. My nerves are beginning to work again." He thinks that he needs another body or two so that he can get back to himself. And Julia's like, "Not again! Like I can't do this." Um. And yeah. he says that basically I have to do this so that I can get away from the Cenobites. Um. I need to, I need to leave here. Like my physical body needs to get the hell out of here before the Cenobites come back. Um, and uh, Larry is like yelling at her as she leaves the attic. And I was like, is not oh, Larry is upstairs. Frank is in there. Yeah, I'm confused. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Did he sorry. try to jump up? <laughs> yeah, he tried oh, to jump and he missed. Here, go go lay down, bud. Yeah, it's a jump. Oh, little guy. Oh man, he failed real hard. Is he okay? <laughs> yeah, he's okay. He's a tough he's a, kid. <laughs> his pride is probably his ego's bruised. If it yeah, is. yeah, no, that's yeah. More than anything, he's just embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, dogs. Are, my cat is so stupid. Um, oh, she's actually so, scratching so at my silly. door, and I'm like, "Go, go away! You're distracting me." Um, I can always make it up like about an hour and then that's whenever he starts. He's like, ha, 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 ha. what are you doing, dad? What are you doing? You looked at me. Now we're friends. Now we got to play. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Frank is saying that he needs uh, to get away from there. The Cenobites won't be able to follow him if he's able to constantly move from wherever he is. Larry calls for Julia to come downstairs and she says, just pop on some music. Um, obviously, because uh, this is where they're like cutting up one of the bodies, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like they're getting, they're gonna cut up and get rid of the body. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, she's all in. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's like the worst part is like yeah, since he's not like devouring the whole thing. Yeah, she's still gotta do yeah murder and cleanup work on her own because like he also still can't like do shit. Oh, I'm starting to. He's like, he's like, ooh, I can smoke cigarettes again, but now I still can't help you clean oh, up the body yet. You have to do that still. Lazy-ass motherfucker. Such a dick. <laughs> um, uh, in this next scene, we see Kirsty at work. She works at a pet shop, which I think is the coolest job in the world. Um, she is yelling at a woman who's got, like, this bloody parakeet right in Kirsty's face. And she's like, no, the manager's not here. I'm not the manager. You're going to have to wait. Like, just wait. Get out of my face. 
again, Kirsty just always over it. <laughs> yeah, she's really just um, like what's the word? Apathetic. Just yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. You know, I've yeah, only same. worked in. I've only ever worked in the service industry, so like in that way, I definitely relate to Kirsty. <laughs> oh yeah, same. Well, I worked in. I did hospitality for ten years before I was like, nope, no more, mm-hmm. no more. I hate all of you. Yeah, my, um, my, my social battery is wearing thin. I'm, I'm getting yeah. there. I got, I got another year or two in me, maybe. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's enjoyable. Uh, probably not during the pandemic, but yeah, just because people be are assholes. Yeah. Um, Kirsty sees a man come off the street and he comes in and starts to eat crickets, which I was like, mm, lots of protein in crickets, apparently. From what I've and heard. Then, but also, like, what is this guy? He's never he's never really explained. Yeah, Besides like, just what... being a, a random weird guy. Like, he doesn't yeah. connect or amount to anything. It's just <laughs> it's just creepy guy that eats some bugs, and then that's it. Like, I've always, it's funny to me. Yeah, because you don't see him again after this, I don't think. Oh, there he no. is. No, there isn't? I thought there might have been another interaction. Oh, no. Bye. That's weird. Why is he in there? Yeah, I mean, I just rewatched it and I don't remember seeing him again. Mm. I don't think. Maybe he's just like a sign of weird shits happening, and he's just like, ooh, you know, like uh, what's the word? <laughs> a harbinger of doom, kind of thing. Or, or wait, was was one of the Cenobites like him, and then they like transformed or something? Was that a thing? Mm. Or am I making that up? I don't I'm know. Not sure. It sounds plausible, though. But, yeah. Creepy bug man. Weird. Yeah. Um, Julia brings a second victim to the house for Frank to drink the blood and eat the flesh. Uh, Frank tells her that he now has his sense of taste back. He sits smoking a cigarette, and Julia demands an explanation about where this all came from. How did this all happen? And Frank shows her the puzzle box and explains what had happened to him. Uh, he uh, through this puzzle box julia sees visions of frank being torn apart by the cenobites and is absolutely terrified of what is happening and frank says you know i'm going to live and you're going to help me like uh, yes and she says yes they'll never find us in the whole wide world this cenobites lady what what do you mean they're not going to find us i don't know there's yeah still some 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 interesting blind love aspects yeah. here just like like literally she just saw and then she's just like yeah no still chill uh, it's all good no, we're, gonna, we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and we're gonna live happily ever after <laughs> and don't worry we can escape demons that have supernatural powers to rock up anywhere they want yeah whether whether you have skin or not <laughs> <laughs> they can probably smell him heaps more without skin like, that's got to be a thing, right? Demons smelling people, like bloodhounds. I don't know how demons work. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Like, smell. I mean, it's sense of yeah. smell, right? Yeah. Sniffing them out. <laughs> um, later that night, uh, Larry and Julia are watching TV. And um, Larry mentions to Julia that he's surprised that she's not making, like, sick faces or, like, being grossed out. And she turns and says, I've seen worse. And I was like, this lady really has. 
Yeah, she. What does she mean by that? And then she also sticks his still skinless fingers in her mouth, and I was. It's it's so gooey. I was like, no, 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 thanks. Yeah. Um, Frank starts banging on the wall, and Julia's like, oh, fuck, (laughs) what's he done now? So she goes upstairs, and Larry comes along with her, and he tries to stop him and saying, you know, it's nothing, don't worry about it. Um, and she distracts him by kissing him and taking him to bed. And, um, Frank comes into the room, I think Larry's sleeping, and Frank comes in with a rat, and cuts the like, like cuts a rat's body. Um, yeah, Frank's just Frank's always weird. just doing. He's doing a little too much. He's always doing a little too much. He, he's such a he's such a freak. <laughs> he's the freak uncle. Everyone freak. has one, right? <laughs> Do I have one? I don't know. Um, uh, he goes back into the attic because Julia pleads with him, saying, "I can't do this." Um, Larry thinks that he's done something wrong and doesn't understand what's going on and he he leaves. I don't understand this scene because I'm trying I've written this and I'm trying to work out what's happened in this scene. Yeah, I mean that that this kind of kind of pops up a lot of um, times throughout the movie where there's these weird um, continuity errors yeah. and um, you know weird weird like, weirdly written scenes um you know and this is where you know kind of clive barker's like you know first time filmmaker kind of shows a little bit but like yeah you know i again he was he was here more for vibes than for the story to make sense um because yeah the 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 the, when you again like i i think it's like one of those plots like when you say it out loud it confuses you more than like when you're just watching it like when you say it out loud it it gets weirder and you're like wait this makes even more even less sense when you say it (laughs) because i was just like wait was where was larry was he in the bathroom they're all in the same room together why didn't larry see frank but then i can't remember seeing that exact scene in my head but i know no idea no idea like that's (laughs) one one dig for me on this movie overall is like the pacing is very clunky yeah like, definitely the like the the way it like kind of goes up up and down at like a very like just like it doesn't it's not very smooth you know it's just like kind of yeah. like eh, 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 and yeah yeah and some pieces are really it's uh, like there's a lot of scene changes so when you do discuss it it's like where am i up to now where where is this now where's that now? yeah it's, I, I couldn't yeah. tell you how much time has passed in this movie you know uh, it could be days it could be months who knows know. like how how long this movie takes place over yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh Kirsty and larry are having dinner together and larry tells her that he's a bit concerned about what's going on with julia that she's been locked up in the house and um might be going a little bit crazy from being alone and him working so much and he asks Kirsty to stop by and try and be friends with Julia so Kirsty, being um you know a good daughter says sure no problem I will do that <laughs> but no. during this time Frank wants another body and he tells Julia I want Larry's I want to eat Larry why does he want to do this to his brother 
Ultimate Revenge. Sure. Ultimate Revenge. You know, and even though I'm not educated enough in it, I would I would love if somebody had a, a a trans reading on this idea of you know um, you know the the way that they treat bodies and look at them, but then also like the idea of yeah, then you know wanting someone else's you know body and then like kind of what also entails in that is like kind of taking that person's life over as well and especially yeah. in this context when it's like two brothers he's like wanting his brothers by i don't know there's something in there that i'm not you know smart enough to write about but i'd be interested if someone else did yeah i'd absolutely love to read something like that to explain it because it is uh it is interesting that there's this um, it's and it, there's not even a rivalry set up between the two of them at all at, in any like anything that uh, precedes this. So it's really interesting that he wants Larry's body in this circumstance. Like, do they even have any scenes together in this movie besides the no. the eating of him? Like, no. I yeah, didn't think so. Nothing to suggest that they hate each other, like each other, nothing. Don't even look like brothers. Uh, I'm intrigued to see. I'm intrigued to see um, what, what, how that happened. But mm. yeah. <laughs> um. So, Julia says, "You're not having Larry. I'll go get you some something else. I'll go get you something else. I'll go get you someone else." Um. So Julia brings a man back to the house, and at this point in time, Kirsty is at the end of the street and sees the man walking into the house. So she's like. Julia's cheating on dad. That's why she's acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the man walks in, uh, well, follows Julia into the house and is talking about how he gets lonely sometimes, which I thought was so sad that he's going to go get killed now. Yeah, you know. Like, um, that's depressing. It, it kind of reminds me, um, it has vibes of, uh, have you seen Under the, uh, Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson? No, no, I haven't yet. It's like, it's kind of similar. It's like this, like, she's like an alien and like essentially like lures men and then like absorbs them or something. Um, You should, you should watch it. But it's uh, like kind of similar because like they like each, each person is like kind of fleshed out a little bit. And like, it's just like these like lonely men. And then it's like, oh, I'm like, that's kind of sad. And then, you know, just the the malaise behind that. And um, yeah. It's very sad. Oh, man. <laughs> Great movie, though. You should check it out. It's yeah, really, uh, I've been meaning to. It's, 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 like... it's creepy. Yeah, so. I've been told it's pretty pretty creepy, pretty weird. Like, in a not uh, conventional way. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh... <laughs> and so he goes in... They take him into the attic, and he's kind of like, is this is this a game? What's going on here? <laughs> like, oh, Larry. oh, Larry. Um, yeah, it's a game. Go grab us some beers. It is a game. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and um, he sees Frank, but he kind of like holds Julia in like as his defense. And he's like, hell no. Like, what the hell? But at this point, Frank's already gotten back some of his movement. He's muscle at this point. He doesn't have skin, I don't think. I'm trying to remember exactly what he looks like at this point. He, uh, yeah, he has like enough muscle to where he was like able to wear clothes, but yeah. the clothes are still like moist though, which is <laughs> hilarious and gross. 
yuck. Um, and Frank pushes Julia out of the way so that he can eat this dude. And it's like in both, and it's like in this scene alone, it's like, this is, you know, where Julia needs to be like, look, I can do better than both of these fuckers. Like, cause oh, no. neither one of them cared about, they both push her out of the way in this scene because neither <laughs> one of them cares. Uh, fucking Larry's too much of a weenie and doesn't care. And then Frank is only using her and yeah all right julia move on from both these bozos <laughs> yeah get out of there don't worry about it do your own thing take the puzzle box with you i don't know um or open it and leave that's what she should do mm-hmm. um kirsty walks into the house and up into the attic to see frank feeding off uh the dude that um julia had bought to the house and he tries to grab her. He looks so gross. Um, and he says to her, Kirsty, it's Frank. It's Uncle Frank, you remember? Come to Daddy. And that uh, I just, I was like grossed out, but cackling, but disgusted. It's like all in one. I mean, yeah, the way that come to Daddy is delivered is <laughs> so gross. Like, oh man, it's so, so creepy. Uh, but so good at the same time. <laughs> but it's perfect. <laughs> um, she is cornered in the attic and is like, don't fucking touch it. Don't touch me. She punches him through his stomach and grabs the puzzle. I love the punch in the stomach. I was like, hell yes. Like, yeah, doesn't even think about it. She just says, no. fuck it. Like, <laughs> like you're di- what the hell are you? This is disgusting. Uh, she grabs the puzzle box because she kind of notices that obviously this thing is important to him. It's got mm-hmm. some importance, so she's like, I'm going to take... She's so smart. She is yeah. so smart. Like, uh, I'm not even going to deal with you guys. I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to take this because it seems like you care about it. I'm out. Um, she runs into the street and faints uh, <laughs> and someone picks her up and takes her to hospital. I would faint after all of that too. I mean, yeah, I guess. I've always thought that's funny. That she just, like, takes off and then, like, yeah, just re- like, she maybe she had asthma. And she's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, man, I can't do this. Like, I can't do anything. You know, because, like, you know, it, just saying, you know, like, Sally Hardesty, she wouldn't have passed out. Sally Hardesty has lungs of, of like, a, of a monster. Like, she, oh, yeah. she's got it. Yeah, Kirstie needs to up her cardio game. She needs to do, you know, at least a kilometer a day sprints. Just sprinting. Just build in, those the, in the up. final girl in the final girl Olympics, she's she's not winning any of the races. We'll yeah. say that about Kirsty. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> you know, I want to see her successful at the Olympics, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, she wakes up in hospital and um is trying to call her dad, but the doctor's like, "You need to go back to bed." He, the doctor, then passes her the puzzle box, and Christy's like, "I have no idea what this is." I have, why am I in hospital? What is going on? And um, she's left alone in the room with the puzzle box. And obviously, I was talking about this yesterday with somebody about curiosity killed the cat. Like, every, like we're just such curious beings that it is normally to our detriment. Um, because she decides to open the puzzle box. And... I really love this scene where it kind of like shows a shift where mm-hmm. their dimension comes into our dimension. Yeah. In a way. 
like it's a really fascinating way to to depict that kind of transformation um mm -hmm. I, I like I, that we get a, I like that we get a lot of that in the second one um, yeah of the of the two worlds kind of colliding a little bit um it, it's a very interesting um you know I like that it's a different depiction of hell than we're like used to because it yeah. is still technically not hell it's a like hellish dimension or whatever but um but yeah I, I do like that this is like where things get a little bit more um a little more fantastical yeah yeah um, I like that Kirsty's got like no qualms about going and like walking through this dimension. She's just like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna, let's see what's up. Let's go see what yeah. this is all about. You're in hospital because of asthma, and <laughs> you're you're just gonna get up and walk through another dimension. Yeah, you know, reckless to a fault, but you gotta be, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, to be fearless. Yeah. Because uh, she is chased by this is where she was chased by the uh, one that you were saying you're not a massive fan yeah the the, the engineer <laughs> yeah, yeah the the engineer um, yeah he's a little not bit fantastical a, isn't he yeah yeah like I don't know it also just doesn't look good like that that's one of the few effects in this that I'm like ah oh, that doesn't look that great but yeah um you know I guess you know kudos for trying. Um, but yeah, not a fan. There's like a, there's even like a, a shot where you can, um, cause they had the, the like puppet on a, on a cart and there's like a shot where you can like see the wheel in the corner, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's like, a, that's that good old, you know, a uh, late eighties charm to it. That yeah. like, it's like, ah, it's all good. Whatever. I forgive that. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she makes it back to the hospital and, uh, the Cenobites appear I love this because one of them um, like puts his fingers through her mouth. Yes, and it's just <laughs> such a gross and like the thought of fingers in my mouth from anyone. I'm like, eh. get away. I mean, me. like, yeah, like I mean, in in a certain contexts, you know, but here yeah. in this movie, like, yeah, every time somebody gets fingers in their mouth, it's not sexy in the slightest. No. <laughs> <laughs> um pinhead says to her the box you opened it we came she has no idea what the fuck he's talking about and she's just like what are you doing here oh right she's like who the hell are you what are you talking about <laughs> this is where the sass with pinhead just automatically starts and she's just like oh, i don't understand it's a mistake i didn't mean to open it it's look it was just here and um i don't want you in my hospital room you can go now <laughs> um yeah. but he explains she, sorry yeah she like she like makes her deal with him um and this is where we like get like you know some of those iconic pin headlines yeah and um you know like but again like she didn't ask for any of this and he's like all right well look unless you if you don't bring me your uncle we're gonna tear your soul apart and she's like ah, i didn't ask for this <laughs> fine i'll fucking take you to my creepy fine <laughs> you can have him i don't care <laughs> i don't want him anyway <laughs> take take her too and he, they're like they're like who's julia and she's like you'll see <laughs> i'll show you this crazy woman that's my stepmom <laughs> um but she does say to him i can lead you to him and you can take him instead of me which i thought was so great because like she's so clued in that she's like 
Well, she's not clued in. She just doesn't even care if they take Frank. She's like, fuck it. Yeah. No, no second guessing. There's not that like, oh, he's my family. Like, should I do this? No, no, no. She's like, yeah, go ahead. Please, please take take Frank. I will. Don't take me. I'm happy in my life. You can have this (laughs) motherfucker. Um, so Julia's panicking that Kirsty is going to tell Larry everything that that's going on. So um, she wants to just fuck off out of there. But Frank's like, hey, I need skin before we leave anywhere. Which, you know, it's kind of a, a you know, a requirement to go places undetected, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so she agrees that she's going to get the skin of Larry. So she... That's um, fine. Fine, you can have Larry's skin. But I mean, like, wasn't the purpose of her being with Frank was that she wanted to be with Frank? Now she's going to be with Larry. Yeah. And Frank. I mean, yeah. I feel like that kills, you know, two birds with one stone. I feel like that yeah. makes sense. It's weird. She, Kirsty gets out of hospital um, and runs back home. She's like, I've got to go there. I've got to figure out what's going on. I've got to get these Cenobites to my uncle um, because I don't want them tearing my soul apart. And Julie answers the door and lets Kirsty in. She runs into who she believes is her dad and hugs him, explaining that Frankie's upstairs and wants to kill Larry. Um, <clears throat> so because he's in Larry's body, Frank is saying to Kirsty, no, don't worry. Um, Frank's dead. Don't worry about him. We put him out of his misery. Um, he's, he's out of here. Don't worry about him. And she's so clever. She's like, I want to see the body. Show me the body. I want proof Mm -hmm. that he's dead. And um, Julia takes her upstairs into the attic to see the body in the room. Kirsty, understandably, grossed the fuck out. Like, yuck. Mm -hmm. There's a dead body in my house. What the hell? Uh, The Cenobites appear and they say, because Julia, Julia, Larry, and Kirsty are in the room at this point. And mm-hmm. uh, Pinhead says, we want the man who did this. Like, we know this isn't Frank. We know. Yeah. Um, no bullshit. Yeah, no bullshit. And then, because <laughs> there's another come to daddy scene. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's even, it's three times creepier in this one. It's, oh, it is. Then it's with even more, yeah, like nasty you know, intent behind it. Yeah. And that's where she, she realizes that it's Frank in her, and that the body in the attic is her dad. Yeah. Which really fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which does suck. But she also didn't notice the like blood on the side of his like face when she like hugged like before the, before he revealed himself. Semantics. Eh. Gross. (laughs) Don't worry about all the blood. (laughs) Again, this movie is so wet. It is, everywhere it? <laughs> everywhere it's uh like dank almost like that like mm-hmm. a, like a a shower room after all the steams <laughs> in it and it's like just settling in the room mm-hmm. um yeah. frank gets a knife and attempts to stab kirsty but stabs julia saying nothing personal babe killing julia well we think julia's dead because she's in the next movie so I don't know. Oh no, she gets like taken off to, uh, oh, to, uh, to the okay. hell dimension in the in the box. Yeah, of course. I didn't realize that she went along with it, like was taken back. That's my poor. When it gets to an end of a movie, like my brain is like switched off, and I'm just like, cool. 
So I can rewatch. She gets like um, <laughs> she gets like eaten by the mattress. Because oh, then the yeah. mattress and okay, the yeah. it's the mattress in the second one that like restarts everything. Yeah. Ah, see, I do remember. <laughs> so Frank is hunting through the house looking for Kirsty, who is hidden in a cupboard. Um. Oh, this is so gross because in the cupboard is a corpse that basically I think when she sits in it like spits like maggots come out of it out of the body's mouth and so she's gross. just oh it's so disgusting um so she like bursts out of the cupboard she's like I'm not staying in there with that um right not even the attempt of like to like you know muffle or screams or anything no. just like nope nope can't handle it 100% disgusting that'd be this. me yeah, I, 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 I I can admit that that would be me I I like uh, I can't handle um, other people's puke. Like as a as a uh, longtime bartender, other people's puke just like really grosses me out. I have a vomit um, phobia, so I totally get it. Mm, like that's my one phobia. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I get it. That's yeah, all right. I've got you. No, thank you. Yeah, that and spit. I also can't handle when people spit. It makes me dry heave. Yeah, no, like, um, you it's know, the weirdest uh, thing. yeah, no, that's definitely not a turn on for me. Other people, no. it, again, it's like, it's something about being other people's spit that yeah. makes it you know, nastier. <laughs> yeah, Mine's yeah, totally I'm chill with it. My, my puke, totally cool. All good. Oh, I'm not cool your puke, mine. no, thank you. I'm not cool. Oh, with not mine. even yours? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the worst thing is, like, because uh, I've been seeing my therapist for like uh, 18 months or something. And I brought it up that I had this like vomit phobia and stuff. And she's like, okay, most times with phobias, we do like exposure therapy. And I was like, please don't. Like, this one we can just leave alone. Like, let's leave this one alone, please. I'm at peace with this fear. I'm okay. Thank you. Like, I'm at peace with this one. Ew, yeah, no. no definitely can, not. Exposure would, it, that would make it worse. For me. I, the thing is, like, a part of my phobia is also people seeing me vomit. And so, like, that's even worse on top of it all because there's, like, so many different elements a part of this phobia. And I've got, like, most of them. And I'm just oh, like, wow. I, don't, I don't, like, when I was a kid, um, you could pretend to throw up and I would. <laughs> so it's horrible. It's so bad. And for so long, people are like, oh, you're a sympathetic vomiter. No, I have a vomit phobia. Call it what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 Like, this is not fun for, this is not good for me. I don't yeah, like I've this. gotten to a point where I can discuss it now, so I think I'm making progress. I think I'm doing all right. Yeah. yeah. Progress is good. Little yeah. steps. <laughs> Christy, oh, Christy, Kirsty uh, basically leads Frank into the attic where the Cenobites are literally just, like, still hanging out waiting for him. They're just like, well, look, we're going to get him eventually. Let him do his shit. We'll take him. They're like, yeah, we, we don't really want to make a second trip. Um, <laughs> so we'll just hang out and wait. <laughs> that is actually hilarious. I want to see uh, uh, an SNL skit of just like the Cenobites just like just hanging waiting. out, waiting. <laughs> what do they do to kill time? <laughs> one of them pulls out a comic book and just, you know, the other one on like Twitter hanging out. That would be me. Like, yeah. like I am. I am a person. Like, I go out once for the day, and that's it. Yeah, like, you have to get me so, on that so, trip. So, so yeah. So if out. I'm out, yeah. If I'm out, <laughs> get me yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be all one trip. 
I will plan everything for like the one day. So it'll be like hairdressers, picking up prescriptions, going to the doctors. Like it's all in one day. I don't give a shit. If if it doesn't get put in that day, it's you can wait for the next time I go out. You can wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right in that boat. <laughs> um, but uh, they. Um, so the Cenobites are in the attic and they block Frank from being able to escape. He, they're confronting him about the things that he did. And the female Cenobite says to him, we had to hear it from your own lips. Like admit that you did these horrible things. And um, Pinhead says to Kirsty, this isn't for your eyes, which I thought was like nice, like protect her from seeing something really gruesome that's about to happen. Right, like the first time he acknowledges, like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you're not, you're not in with these fucks," like, but yeah, you know, whatever. Sorry, you're here, but sorry, sorry, you have to say this, but like, (laughs) we're gonna tear your uncle, your uncle dad apart. Ew, your uncle dad. (laughs) He is at this point. (laughs) Uncle daddy. He's uncle daddy. Yeah. <laughs> gross. So gross. Uh, so Frank tries to stab Kirsty for doing this, but instead a hook grabs his hand and like more and more hooks start to go- cut into his flesh. The s- same as the opening scene, except he's mm-hmm. not Frank in the opening scene. He is now in Larry's skin. And this is my favorite scene when he says, Jesus wept as like his body is like exploding from the hooks tearing him apart yeah his like face is all stretched out and um yeah it's such a such a good line i mean it's a good um you know build up to the to the uh end of the movie you know it's very big it's epic it's gross like people are chunks are everywhere um yeah i i'm a i'm a fan and 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 also hilarious like imagine being such a shitty person that you get ripped apart by hooks twice and die twice yep so yeah big big l all around for for frank yeah it's just um i love that this is because there is a scene further at the start of the film where we do see pinhead in like his own little um m basement kind of thing with all these chains and hooks and yeah, everything yeah. all around it's really fascinating um because like obviously we don't depict depict hell as looking like that yeah yeah no we, we always imagine you know flames and yeah and uh you know fire and everything but uh yeah just being uh uh just some fog and hooks is uh, hooks. is 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 all you need i find that i do find that interesting though mm and like for myself because i don't i'm an atheist so i don't believe in heaven or hell i do like seeing other people's um like perceptions and perspectives when it comes to exploring these types of religious uh symbolism and connotations and whatnot what like what hell looks like and what angels look like and what you know what does god look like and so i find it so fascinating watching this where it's like so different to what i believe because like i just don't believe there's anything so yeah cool. no like i i'm i've always been fascinated with like because i don't i don't believe in in a hell either but i, I like the idea of it and yeah. um or and the idea of hell being you know more specific to personal people 
um, you know, just like the idea of like what, you know, what you think would be the scariest version yeah. of your personal hell that's held to you or like, you know, whatever, like it's a, it's an idea, you know, and I, I do think um, it's interesting how there can be like so many different interpretations of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, um, I grew up, oh, well, I spent a couple of years in like the Mormon church and their idea of hell is actually just purgatory where you sit and you read the book of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints all day, every day, until you prove you are good enough to go to heaven. And I was like, I'd rather go to hell. I'd rather go to hell. Oh, that, this yeah, no. Fuck mm -mm. that. <laughs> That's way too monotonous. Yeah, that definitely yeah, would not. I couldn't do prove that. that you're Could good. not. Yeah, you got to prove that you're a good Mormon to go to heaven. And I was like, no, why does uh, hell exist? Please. I, I hate busy work. Yeah. I hate busy work. Yeah. Don't give me that shit. <laughs> I don't want to do this every day for the rest of my life, for the rest of eternity. Not just the rest of my life. That <laughs> terrifies me. Send me to hell. Um, Kirsty makes a run for it, but uh, the Cenobites want to speak to her, you know, and explain what's going on really well they don't explain but um they give her the puzzle box and pinhead says we have such sights to show you um before she sends them back to hell so she opens the puzzle box to send them back mm -hmm. um so the house just fucking collapses around her and steve rocks up as the house is yeah. like falling apart. it's Falls like steve up. where have you been all this time yeah, he just he just pulled up. And he was like, "Oh, I was calling your pager, and I can't get hold of you." I was in hospital, Steve. <laughs> Good one. Um, she throws the puzzle box into the fire as the house burns down around her. Um, this is this is the um, yeah, you're right about the um, the cricket eating man. Because he comes over to the house uh, and he walks into the fire, takes the puzzle box. And turns mm. into not a Cenobite, but like some sort of creature, and flies away with the box. Oh yeah, the yeah. the here's the skeleton dragon thing. Yeah, that's yeah. right, right, right. The crazy ass skeleton dragon. Yeah. Imagine explaining to this per this movie to people who have <laughs> never seen horror movies, don't know who Clive Barker is, don't know what Cenobites are, and then explain this film. Oh, it's a lot. Like I yeah. and you know, like and that's another reason I enjoy this. So, like there is um plenty of lore and like yeah. world building behind it and um, you know, these just very different ideas and um and I, I really do just like dig it, like just the whole whole um kind of tone of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I watched it for funsies, like just uh I watched like the first three films because they're on prime video here. And mm -hmm. I was like trying to explain it to my grandma and I was like, okay, so there's these demons and one of them has pins on his head and there's another one where it's just like a mouth and the other one looks like a slug. And anyway, so there's this box and it's interdimensional travel and there's hell and you open the box and you go to hell and, and then there's this man gets ripped apart yeah. by hooks and my grandma's like, what the fuck are you talking oh, about? Oh yeah, I, I, I always, um, <laughs> I'll put scary movies on whenever I'm bartending at work, I'll put them on at the bar. Um, always good conversation nice. starters. Yeah. And um I and one night I, I put Hellraiser one and two on. Um just because it was like a Wednesday, so it was like pretty chill. And it, people would just like kind of be looking up and they're like, Oh my god, what is happening right now? I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, he's like eating the skin off of that person because he needs their skin to come back to life. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> you got to see the whole thing. Anyway, so it's at the thing. start of the movie. <laughs> uh, so the end shows another customer wanting to buy the puzzle box and the Chinese art dealer saying, what's your pleasure, sir? So I think that they kind of like made this box to be like some specific type of like art. And so people would be like, oh, I want that. That looks so special and so uh, foreign mm-hmm. and wow, I need it. Um so I think that the art dealer is actually a Cenobite trying to get more people to take Oh this. yeah. Yeah, to take the box. Yeah, either either he is a Cenobite or is someone that has like yeah. dealt with the Cenobites and like maybe that was his deal to yeah, get true. out of not having to go to hell. He was like, yeah. I'll be the one that transports the box around and to mm. and gets people to buy it. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Maybe something like that. I don't know. No. That's cool. I like that idea. I love this movie. I'm so glad we got to talk about it because it's just such a hectic movie. <laughs> oh man, there's just yeah, there's it's it's like there's a lot going on, but at the same time, there's parts in the movie like again with this like kind of pacing where it feels like nothing is happening. Yeah, and it's just like it it feels like it's like anti soap opera. <laughs> um, the the house is so dark and drab, and like I don't know, there's just a whole the, the there's a, such a very distinct aesthetic to this movie mm. um it has so much texture to it like in the way that it looks but then also its use of um just like fluids and yeah. uh, you know and everything just like i don't know it, there is a lot going on and it's like uh this is like a movie i these are what i call hot messes uh, <laughs> a hot a, a, a hot mess is usually like a three and a half out of five stars like yeah you know like definitely flawed but there's so much like fun shit going on you know that i you know gotta give it that extra half star you know usually and it's usually for like the style uh for me is like something that like you know i'll obviously like give more points to yeah um because like again like this uh again if you like go into this thinking it's a slasher movie then like you're gonna be disappointed because it's not it's Mm. not a slasher it's a it's an erotic thriller uh a a supernatural erotic thriller like is basically what this is but with also like you know heavy body horror and gore um but yeah so it's like if you go and expect a slasher you'll be disappointed but if you are into just uh you know, putting this on and getting weird, vibing out, <laughs> like, then, yeah, like, Hellraiser is good for you. Yeah, Clive Barker's definitely lent into the sensational weird in in a way that he was like, okay, this is going to be so weird and so not twisted, because it's not twisted. Um, Just like, yeah, I can't think of another word besides, like, incredibly weird, that it's fantastic. That it's like, I, I would never think of that myself. I would never think of this world. I would never think of Cenobites. I'd never think about this. Because, you know, there's so many, um, you know, a book can hold so much more context than what a movie can. So I'm really, I really need to read the book. Because I'd love to see, like, that lore behind it. And, you know, a little bit different world building in comparison to the film. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it feels like very niche, like, you yeah. know, with like all the things that does like, like what it's about, but then also like it's aesthetic as well. It's like, who exactly is this movie for? Like, just <laughs> like specifically those those raver kids that like dance under bridges with glow sticks. Like, is it specifically for those kids? Because that's about it. Or in, in the kink clubs. You know, like the, the kink club members like that. This is for you guys. Like, but yeah. it just like feels so very niche, you know, and like, and I feel like they were just like, Clive, who is this for? And he's just like, he shrugged his shoulders. He's like, it's going to be for somebody. Somebody <laughs> will be it. into this. Like, that's, that's what you could say about every porn category. Like, hey, someone yeah. is into this. I don't know who, <laughs> but somebody. <Someone's> gonna <laughs> fucking love the shit out of this. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could, uh, yeah, the the stuff that I have seen um, based off of Clive's books is just phenomenal. I, I really do love his aesthetic and his, like, he's just not, I love the word reckless in when talking about someone's passion for doing something, that they just go all out and they're like, fuck it, let's, I'm going to mm-hmm. do something in that shit crazy and I'm going to lean into it and I don't care. And book uh, Books of Blood was that for me. Um watching that was crazy i i really really loved that and um the i haven't read the book version of it but i do own it i just haven't read it yet because it's like Mm -hmm. my that's my to be read pile there it's uh one and a half piles of books (laughs) so like i'm getting nowhere (laughs) yeah i i wish i was a reader because i feel like um if i if i was that I would enjoy Clive stuff. Like, this yeah. feels like whenever I did used to read, like, this would be, like, kind of up my alley, but I just never really got around to his stuff. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, just, like, it, I don't know. Something is – his work has a certain flavor to it that I Definitely. really enjoy. Like, again, like, between this and between Candyman. And, um, yeah, so I, I really need to – really need to watch Midnight Meat Train. Yeah, I feel like now I need to go watch that instead of doing anything else that I should be doing today. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm, I, I concur on that. You support that decision. <laughs> um, so, before we wrap up, what's the last horror movie you watched? Oh, what did I watch recently? Um, let me pull up my letterbox. I kind of forget what I watched recently. Last horror movie... Um, I, uh, watched Child's Play 2 this morning, nice. um, because, um, for another podcast, um, I could, I'm a guest panelist on the Pod and Pendulum podcast, and then we're covering, like, the Child's Play movie, so, rewatched two. I also, uh, watched Malignant at work the other night, that was fun, yes. people are like, what's going on, I'm like, it's fucking Gabriel, that's what's going it's on. It's Gabriel. Do you think Gabriel's the next <laughs> queer icon in horror? Oh, 100%. percent. <laughs> um, I have so many thoughts on Malignant that I, I that so need much. to, yeah, it's, oh man, it's, it's, it makes me so happy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's it outrageous. just makes, it just makes me, it just brings me joy. Like yeah. every time I put it on at the beginning of the movie, it's like a, it's like a, I'm at a sports game. I'm like, it's time to cut out the cancer. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, so that's good. where I'm at with it. Because I'll, <laughs> I'll put it on, and my partner will ask me what I'm doing, and I'm like, I'm just watching Malignant, and he's like, again? Oh, yes, again. Yes, again. Because he still hasn't <laughs> watched it. And I was like, what is wrong? Oh, no, I think 
did we watch it together? Yeah, we watched it together and I sat watching his reaction the whole movie because I was like, do you love it? It's do you the, love it? It's the best. It? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you for joining me again for an awesome episode talking about Hellraiser. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, again, like every time I watch this movie, I get like a little more appreciation for it, find something else that I like about it. I kind of go back and forth whether I like one or two better. Um, I think one overall is just a, even though, even though this movie is a mess, it, I'll <laughs> say it's slightly tighter than than part two. Yeah. Um, if if that's even possible, but um, yeah, I I just really dig this movie and um, definitely am excited to see what uh, happens with the new one. I hope yeah. that you know. Um, they can, you know, pump life back into this franchise that very much deserves it. Like, again, like, even though it does have so many sequels, like, you know, like, so many of them aren't good, apparently, like, it was like, you know, uh, so many of the straight to DVD ones more than the oh, others, yeah. but, um, but, you know, that went into slasher territory instead of, you know, sticking with, you know, what was going on in these first two films, um, you know, yeah. and being weird and erotic. Um, so I, I hope that, uh, comes back. So, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I really dig this movie. I have a lot of, uh, optimism for the, the remake. Lot, yeah. Yeah. A lot is invested. <laughs> for sure. Uh, where can listeners find you and your podcast? Yeah, you can, um, find me. I host the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club podcast. Um, and we, dive into either a certain subgenre for a month or a certain franchise. Um, so we just wrapped up Scream in January, covered all the Scream movies, including the new one. And then um, we, and now we are covering our Black Horror Cinema for Black History Month. So uh, super fun, me and my co-host Garrett McDowell. And uh, you can find the podcast at Bloody Blunts Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at underscore Daddy Disco. And thank you, listeners. If you enjoyed the podcast, please to re please remember to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can actually do that on Spotify now, which is so amazing. So leave a five-star review if you want. To catch the latest from me, you can find me on Twitter at catstead underscore or on Instagram as I've changed my Instagram handle. It is now here our screen cat. And to see all the latest from the podcast, please show the show some Love on Twitter at TGIF pod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday. <laughs>